We're starting a brand new mini-series on Sunday mornings called Mission, Vision, and Culture. If you're wondering what our church is all about, this is the perfect series to get started with. This week, Pastor Tom shared week one of that series with a message that answers the question, with a change in pastors, what should I expect? Come on, let's dive in. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Come on, can we give some welcome to those of us that are joining us online as well? So glad you guys are able to be a part of church today. Uh, so Fall Fest last week was a ton of fun. I, I went home Sunday afternoon. I was so happy with how it went. Um, I, it was so much fun. It was great to be able to have everyone hang around after service. And uh, as already been mentioned, the plan is this is going to be an annual thing. It was so good. Have to do it again. So uh, I'm really excited. And thanks for everyone that uh, dug deep, that did whatever needed to be done to make it happen last week. Uh, those things don't just happen. Uh, it takes a lot of people putting in a lot of hard work. So so appreciative to everyone that made that possible. It really was a ton of fun. Uh, but this week is not a typical message. In fact, the next three weeks are not going to be a typical message. Um, we're going to spend some time uh, over the next three weeks, myself and Megan, we're going to share the three-week series together, and we're going to look at uh, the mission, uh, mission, vision, and culture of Word of Life Church. And typically, churches will have, normally around January or February time, they'll do a big Vision Sunday uh, morning. It's kind of this idea of it's a new year, new you. Let's have everyone together while the you know, New Year's resolutions are still good, and we'll do this big vision casting thing. Uh, but as we were looking at things, we were considering uh, the calendar and all the different things. We thought, that, you know, actually back to school is a big reset in our society, the way that we live our lives and the way we arrange our lives. So I think for a lot of us, summer is done now. We're back. We're starting to get back into the rhythm of things. Kids have been back in school for a few days. So this is a natural time, I think, to start, um, put, you know, letting everyone know this is the vision, mission, and culture of our church. This is who we are. This is what we're about. This is what we care about. These are things that we're concerned about. And a big part of this and the timing of it is that the pastoral vote, which I know a number of you were a part of in April, uh, it's now been a number of months, uh, so it was uh, Memorial Day weekend that Pastor Randy Chiz got on a motorcycle and him and Mary Ann rode off into the sunset. Now I need to tell you, I, well, we can, we can clap for those guys, they're the best, come on. I'm going to tell you this, and you're going to think I'm joking, but I promise this is true. I was in the meeting when it was decided that Pastor Randy was going to get on the bike and ride out of here. My confession to you, it was my idea. But I said it as a joke. <laughs> this is exactly what happened. I said, it's like, hey, you know what would be great? And that's if you had the Harley, and you just gone on and rode off into the sunset. And instead of laughing, somebody went, hey, that's not bad. So I'll take responsibility for what happened then. But it was a few months ago, so then it ended up being uh, right at the beginning of June that Megan and I stepped into the lead pastor role here at the church that Pastor Randy and Marianne had held for 29 years. Uh, and it's been a wonderful time for us. This has been an incredibly meaningful moment that uh, Memorial Day weekend when uh, Pastor Dwayne Durst was able to be here to pray for Randy and Marianne as they stepped into their new season, as also the same time uh, they were able to pray for us as a family. If you were here, you'll remember that my oldest son Elijah stole the show. He don't, he don't care about reverent moments. He don't, all he knows is he saw himself on the screen. He wanted to wave to Nana and who knows what else. I put a video on my Instagram. You can dig it out. It's, it's fun. But yes, my nine-year-old sincerely stole the moment. Um, it's amazing. We had a pastor ride out of here on a motorbike and more people wanted to talk to me about my son <laughs> and the motorbike tearing out of church. Anyway. 
But it's been a great transition so far. The last few months, uh, indeed, the time that we've spent here as part of the church, part of the church pastoral staff, even prior to uh, the retirement from the Chis, uh, the Chis family, uh, it's been a wonderful transition. And a large part of why it's been such a positive transition and why uh, we've been, it's, it's been a season of joy, truthfully, for us to do that, is that the values that Pastor Randy, Pastor Marianne held are the same values that Megan and I hold. Um, so the things that we care about, things that mean a lot to us, things that uh, motivate us, things that get us excited and passionate about ministry and being a part of church leadership are the same things that they cared about. And it meant that that transition was so much easier because we're not trying to reinvent any wheels. We're not trying to completely overthrow what is existing. Instead, we're able to step in and the church is already moving forward in a way that we want to be a part of a church that is moving forward the way that Word of Life is moving. The church vision and mission statement, a lot of you all know this very well, is we are here to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. This is our church's mission statement. This is on our website. This is what we are about. This is what we are consumed with. This is what we're motivated by. This is what our focus is on. This is what our effort goes towards. This is why we are here is leading individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. And Megan's going to be expanding on that uh, next week and sharing some thoughts that we had around that. But this is a purpose that as a couple, we can get behind. Megan and I don't have a desire to change this. And in lots of ways, this encapsulates the heart of Pastor Randy and Mary Ann. And consequently, this has become the heart of this church. And a part of the reason that this transition all worked out and this appointment all worked out is because we truly do share that common value. For instance, just like Pastor Randy Maryam, we're people people. We have a true love for people. That's the reason if you come on a Sunday morning, I'll be out front saying hi to everybody. I've done that at every church I've ever worked at. And I don't do it because someone told me to do it. I do it because I love y'all. I like being able to say hi. I like hearing how your week is going. We truly love people. Consequently, our hearts are devastated at the thought of people spending eternity separated from God. We're heartbroken by the effect of sin in people's lives. We're overjoyed when someone takes steps forward in their faith. We have a strong determination to lean heavily on the side of grace, even though it's messy. And these are things that will never change. These are values that we hold dear, and we know that this church holds dear. Nevertheless, I do think it's normal that a question would be in some of your minds, some of your thoughts are thinking through is with a change in pastors, what should I expect? And I don't think that's unreasonable to have that thought. I don't think it's unfair to have that question in your mind is that will the values or emphasis of ministry change? Is word of life a church that can be my church home? And to start looking at that with you, I wanna share a proverb and Proverbs is a book in the Old Testament uh, it was a collection of sayings written by a number of different authors. The most common one is King Solomon. And a number of sayings that were said to help guide people and bring wisdom into people's lives were collected in the book that we now have in the uh, book of Proverbs. And I want to share one of those with you. It's one sentence, but it says a lot. Proverbs 14, verse 4. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. If you want a clean stable, don't get an ox. But you'll miss out on the harvest. With the ox pulling the plow, the farmer can expect a bigger harvest. But you also have to expect a messy stable. The proverb acknowledges that a clean stable is good, but a large harvest is better. 
that missing out on a clean stable is worth it, that the harvest is more important than the cleanliness of the stable, that the effort and hard work of having an ox is worth it. This is, of course, a metaphor that can be applied beyond farming, was written down and collected in this book of Proverbs so that we could apply it beyond agriculture and beyond farming. And it's helpful for us today as we consider this in the context of our church. It would be nice to have a clean stable. And as we apply this principle to church, in lots of ways, it would be easier for the church to be a metaphorical clean stable. See, if the church is a clean stable, everyone knows how to conduct themselves. In a messy church, people are learning as we go. In a clean stable of a church, there's a level of understanding and knowledge. In a messy church, everyone's got a different starting point. In a clean church, it's neat and tidy. In a messy church, there's plenty of reasons to show grace. In a clean church, it's steady and predictable. In a messy church, it's purposeful and driven. And the hope is never to have a messy church just for the sake of having a messy church. The hope is that we're a messy church because there's a promise of a harvest. Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for the harvest. We cannot forget there's a harvest. You can either enjoy the harvest or you can enjoy the clean stable. But from the proverb, we can't have both. The proverb is a metaphor for any number of things. So the harvest could be anything at all. For you personally, an individual, there could be a variety of answers. But for us as a church, the harvest is, has always been, and always will be people. People are what Jesus died for. And as his church, that's what we need to be consumed with, a love for God and a love for people. To care about people. Amen. God and people. To care about people, seeing people begin their relationship with God and mature and grow in their relationship with God needs to be what we are consumed with. Word of Life has a legacy and a commitment to prioritize the harvest above everything, including the clean stable. And this week I had a chance, I was texting with Pastor Randy. I thought it was pretty cool just to get in touch and say, hey, this one I'm talking about this weekend. And I let him know and I texted him the proverb and then I texted him what I just shared about the legacy and commitment of word of life to this harvest. And he wrote back to me and he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, reaching the lost is priority one in capitals. Amen. It's why the church is still on the planet. This is the legacy. This is the commitment of our church. The harvest is more important than the clean stable. The harvest is too important to settle for a clean stable. Your coworkers are too important. Your neighbors, your family, students, kids, your adult children, too important to be occupied with a clean stable. People you don't know, people that are lost and locked up in addictions, latchkey kids in the community, people living beneath the poverty line, the people that annoy you are too important for us to settle for a clean stable. People you disagree with, people who've hurt you, people who hate God, people who are actively working against the church are too important for us to settle for a clean stable. They're too important to pat ourselves on the back for keeping the stable clean when our mission is to bring in the harvest. The stable is supposed to be messy because it was built for an ox. The stable's supposed to be messy. It wasn't built 
just for the sake of having a nice stable, it was built so the ox had somewhere to reside where the ox could do ox things and make ox messes. And there's a real temptation for churches to have our cake and eat it, to have a nice clean stable and have a massive harvest, to have a nice, orderly, comfortable, predictable church and see a massive number of people come to faith in Jesus and grow in their faith. But from the proverb, you either gain the harvest or you gain the clean stable. You can't have both. And if we remember and don't lose sight that the harvest is people and that people matter to God so much that he would send his son to the cross and that Jesus would willingly go knowing it was the only way to mend the broken relationship between God and humanity, the importance of a clean stable shrinks and the importance of a large, large harvest becomes essential. The importance of a clean stable shrinks and the importance of a large harvest becomes essential. The harvest is too important to settle for a clean stable. We embrace the messy stable, not because we love a messy stable, but because we love the harvest. We're here for the harvest. If that means a messy stable, then we need to be okay with a messy stable. It's a love for people. That's the reason behind why we share stories on Sunday mornings. We have a video where somebody is sharing the, their account, their testimony, way that God's moved in their lives, whether it's a baptism video and someone telling the story about what got them to the point where they were ready to go through water baptism, or whether it's a story about somebody who went to a life group and was blessed, or whether it's somebody that joined a team and something great happened, or they were a part of a ministry outreach and something wonderful. It's, there's a reason we share this is that we have a love for people and we want to hear how God is moving in the lives of people. Because people and their stories of God's working in their lives is priority one. And around two years ago, when Meg and I first met with the elders, there were a number of things that were very important to us that we could see at the church. This church, Word of Life, has a huge outreach focus. There is a heart for the lost. This is a multi-generational church. And kids and youth are being an enormous priority. That this church always leans on the side of grace. This church is a spirit-filled church. We're Bible-centered. We do things with excellence. Our worship is engaging, and we have faithful Bible teaching. And we found that just as these things were as important to us, they were important to Word of Life. And as a big part of that, we never, ever want to change or adjust or monitor or impact or affect or change or tweak the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is completely timeless. And at the heart of the message of Jesus is that he came to fix a problem. Jesus came to fix a problem. The problem is the broken relationship between humanity and God. And what causes that broken relationship with God is sin. And consequently, sin is the problem Jesus came to fix. And somehow, Jesus addressed sin in a direct, unmistakable way. And yet, people didn't feel rejected and put down by him. Somehow, Jesus was able to strike the balance with perfect precision, with total and unquestioning love that he has for people, and the complete awareness of the devastation that sin brings. We don't hate sin because we're angry, but because it ruins people's lives, and we love people. I want to share a, a couple of verses from John 8. Some of you all know this story well. There was a lady who was caught in the act of adultery. We don't know a lot of details, but she was in the act of adultery and she was dragged before Jesus, thrown to the ground, 
And the people that dragged her told Jesus and reminded Jesus that the punishment for this lady should be stoned to death. And they were right. That's what the punishment should have been. But an interaction happens with Jesus, and Jesus helps them see, you know what, Let, let's slow down here. And this is where the famous line of those without sin, you cast the first stone. And people confronted with their own self-awareness and having to finally reconcile, you know what, actually, I've got enough reasons to get some own stones in the face, so I'm actually going to slow down on this. And slowly they walk away. And when they've walked away, Jesus has this interaction with the lady. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. How this reads to me, when Jesus is having this interaction with this lady that was facing death, and this is no small thing, she's facing being stoned to death, all part of this strange little game of people trying to trip up Jesus. And Jesus having this interaction, and his words to her, go and sin no more. How this reads to me is that the consequence of sin has caught up with you. Please stop, because I don't want you to end up like this again. I want this to be the last time that you are dragged through town full of shame, full of people knowing your dirty laundry, full of people knowing where you've messed up, full of knowing that you've done something against God, being thrown at my feet in disgrace and shame, facing the possibility of being stoned to death. I love you too much to see you go through this again. Go, please, sin no more. I don't want this to happen to you again. This is not angry judgment. We hate sinners. We hate... We don't hate sin because we're angry. We hate sin because we love you, and we want you to be free of all the crazy that sin brings, all the destruction, all the despair that comes with it. Go and sin no more. The message of Jesus and the kingdom that he initiated 2,000 years ago doesn't change with time, doesn't get updated, but we need to be careful with how attached we become to the methods and practices. It's very easy to elevate methods to a status they don't deserve. For instance, Jesus helped people in a variety of different ways. There wasn't one singular way that Jesus healed people. There was a variety. There's the man that was let down through the roof by his friends. Jesus just spoke a word to him, and he was instantly healed. He touched the hand of a, a, a lady that was bent over in Luke 13. He laid hands on her, and her posture straightened right out. A lady fought through the crowd and touched his garment and was healed. In Mark 8, Jesus spat in a blind guy's eyes. Now, if I did that, you'd start looking for a new church. But WWJD, he put his fingers in a deaf man's ears. He made clay out of dirt and spit and rubbed it in another blind man's eyes. There were even some healings that happened when he wasn't physically present. There isn't one single or specific way that Jesus performed a miraculous healing. Unfortunately, as people, we get emotionally attached to the method. Our tendency is to lock onto one of those things and declare it sacred. That's not the example of Jesus. Our tendency is to look at the whole array and the whole spectrum and the whole variety of ways that Jesus brought healing to these people, grab a hold of it, and declare, this is how people get miraculously healed. And that's where we set up camp and we become emotionally attached and we become committed and devoted to a method. I don't believe in changing things for the sake of change, but to adjust and modify and rethink based on how effective we are in demonstrating the goodness, love, and power of God. And what I wrote down for this is that the method is subject to the fruit. The method is subject to the fruit. The outcome is what matters, not the method. We have a mission. And if the method is not helping us achieve the mission, it cannot be declared sacred and untouchable.
One method is no more sacred than another. The message is unchangeable. The message cannot, should not, and will never be adjusted and altered based on any other factor. But the method cannot be declared sacred. For instance, social media or emails, hymn books or projectors, paper schedules or planning center, paper tracts or a billboard, skinny jeans or a three-piece suit, pew or an armchair, a Bible app on your phone or a 10-pound King James Bible. God uses all of it. God uses all of it. The message can never change, but the method certainly can because the method is subject to the fruit. And there may not be big wholesale changes that are forthcoming. I'm truthfully not anticipating enormous changes that will disrupt the heart and soul of World of Life Church. But when things are rethought and revised, it's purely motivated by a desire to see a greater harvest, to see people's, uh, see people's lives and eternities changed by the unchanging message of Jesus. And the flip side of this is the temptation to chase after the new fad. The temptation is to look for what's trendy and flashy and what's trending on social media, trying to be cool just for the sake of being cool. My commitment to you, my promise to you is that what will drive our decisions around how we conduct ministry and fulfill the mission is in its effectiveness. Because people responding to the message of Jesus is the harvest we care about. And there's a quote from a pastor called Craig Rochelle. A number of you all know this well. You will have heard it before. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. We don't just wait. We go. We don't just stick an ox in the stable. We take him out to be a part of plowing the field so that we can see a great harvest. A few years ago now, I was a youth pastor in New Jersey, and uh, we had these stickers made up, and on the sticker, they said, what do you want on there? And there was only one thing I knew I wanted on those stickers. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the only logical response is to follow him with everything. So we had stickers, I mean, it's a mouthful, but you know, they were big stickers. So I had these stickers made up, and we gave them out to students. And I got a phone call the next day from uh, a lady in our church who was a teacher at the local high school. And she said, Tom, I need to let you know, uh, one of the students from youth is actually in a lot of trouble. I said, what's up? They said, well, let's just say every single locker in the school has a sticker on that says, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the only logical response is to follow him with everything. So I did the responsible grown-up thing, and we had a whole bunch more stickers printed up, because that's awesome. I mean, kids get detention for all kinds of boneheaded things. You may as well do it for something worthwhile. Come on, somebody. But that's the tenacity. We're not here. We're not just here for a clean stable. We're here to mess things up. We're here to go out because there is a harvest that matters deeply. Now, Word of Life, we're a busy church with a lot of activity that helps us fulfill our mission. Sunday services are a huge part of what we do. It takes up a lot of our time, our effort, and our energy. And a Sunday morning service is at the heart of our church. This is when we come together, we gather and we worship, we receive the challenge from the message, we receive the encouragement from the message, we spend time in fellowship, we have a chance to receive prayer. And if the Sunday morning services are strong, it sets us up for all other areas of ministry. That's why at this church we prize engaging worship. We take time and welcome the Holy Spirit to come and dwell among us. 
In worship, we expect that hope and perspective to come as we lift up Jesus in praise and adoration. The sermons that we prepare, they're always designed and hoped and delivered with the anticipation that something is going to help you during the week, not just on Sunday morning. We laugh together because healthy families laugh together. Do you honestly think, amen. Do you honestly think I shoot Megan with a Nerf blaster just for fun? I mean, that's part of the reason, but it's not the whole thing. We're a family and we laugh together. One of the things that stood out to Megan and I when we first came to the church as visitors was we came in and uh, we had a, a number of meetings with Pastor Randy, with Pastor Marianne, with the elders, and we were coming to church to be a part of everything on a Sunday morning, and we got here at 9.15. I thought that's plenty early for church. Turns out I was one of the last people here because that cafe was full. It was full of people that got to church an hour early just so they could spend time together and have honest-to-goodness fellowship together because they liked each other. It was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in a church. People just wanting to spend time and get to church early so they can fellowship and meet people and get to hang out with people they hadn't seen all week. It was awesome. That's something that I treasure and I never ever want us to lose. It's one of the things that leapt out at us as we were interviewing and meeting here at the church to see if this was going to be a good move for us. And Church Online, of course, is a new initiative that came. It was born out of the shutdown, and I'm delighted that we've continued, even though we're still meeting in person. The fact that there's a chat feature that people can engage with each other. They may not be ready to step foot through a church building, but they have a chance where they can engage with other believers that they can request prayer from somebody that will pray diligently and fervently with them. I don't remember the last time that I met a first-time attender at the church that didn't tell me that they'd been checking out church online before they set foot through the doors. Approximately one half of people that will be a part of church this weekend will be online, not in person. And we have the full service available so people who miss church would otherwise be able to catch up even if they're not able to be here in person. And there's any number of reasons that people are at home. And I'm glad that today they're not feeling left out. They're not feeling like they're not able to be included. But instead, because we took the time, the effort, the energy, and the work to make church online possible, people feel like they're included and they're a part of our church family, even if they're not here in person today. Our kids ministry. There's something that I've shared with the kids team, and I'll share it with all of you so you can hear it. And this is a commitment I'm sticking to. We cannot pretend we have a great church if we do not have a great kids ministry. We cannot pretend we have a great church if we do not have a great kids ministry. Now kids ministry, they were probably affected more than any other area of church ministry by the shutdown. In lots of ways, Pastor Lisa and the team are still rebuilding and having to adjust as they serve the kids of the church. And along with the school, they're still having to navigate COVID restrictions. But Megan and I, as both pastors and parents, are delighted with the work that Pastor Lisa and the team are doing over there. They do a phenomenal work, truly remarkable, absolutely remarkable. And the goal for both kids and youth ministry is constantly trying to get the balance right between fun and spiritual. And it wasn't long, it was uh, also over the summer that uh, Pastor Jeremiah, he believed it was right for him to step into a new season that was uh, some ministry that's happening outside of Word of Life. I had a chance to catch up with him this week and pleased to let you know it's going very well for him. And uh, we, we're really delighted to hear that. 
but it does mean that we're currently hiring a youth pastor. And I wanna give everyone just a very brief update. We've interviewed a number of people and some very qualified people that have been great candidates, but neither Meg or I have felt that they have been the right person. And so we love and we care about the students of this church and the students that aren't a part of this church that should be a part of our youth ministry. Come on, somebody. We don't wanna get someone in just because they sound good, look good, and they can check the boxes. We wanna make sure we have the right person that's gonna step in to move things forward. So we're, ta we're taking our time, we're being slow with it, and I'm okay with that. If it means we land with the right person coming to be a part of this, uh, this, this, uh, this church. I love students. I love student ministry. One of the things that I want for our students is that they're prepared to live a life of faith beyond high school. My hope for students is they can avoid the despair of teenage years. So many of us go through our teenage years collecting regrets, not realizing their regrets until it's time to try and walk it back. I spoke last week about how much I want students, young adults, really anybody, to have a boring testimony. It's what I hope for these guys. And as we think about youth pastor coming in, as we think about the future of the youth ministry, my hope is that we have a bunch of boring testimonies from kids that are on fire for Jesus. And all of this, it plays into the belief that loving, supporting, and reaching families is a vital part of our mission. One of the core values, which you can see on our website, says we believe that the family unit functioning in a biblically healthy manner is central to the plan and will of God. Family unit functioning in a biblically healthy manner is central to the plan and will of God. And right now, a lot of time and focus is being placed on our monthly women's ministry, Girls' Night Out. Anybody psyched about this? Come on now. Meaning that the ladies are able to gather and be encouraged to rise up and be all that God made them to be. A chance to worship together, be uplifted by a strong message and an opportunity to pray for each other. And there's a statistic that I don't like and it bothers me greatly. It's that the national average in churches across America, women outnumber men two to one. I want that to be different in our church. I want to see men step up and prioritize their relationship with God, to care deeply about the things of God, to love their wives like Christ loved the church, to be good role models for their children, to believe that the church community is a place where they can get stronger and healthier to be able to navigate life better. Men, I believe in you, and I want to see you grow in your faith and relationship with God. I want to see young men and women learning from the older people who've got a few more decades of experience than them. I want young people to become better parents, better spouses, better employees, better neighbors, because they're learning from the older people in our congregation. I want the older men and women being inspired by the passion and energy that young people bring, and that there is a true honor and respect across all the generations represented in our church. And there's a leadership principle that I've shared with church staff you know what the culture of an organization is based on what stands out. If, you, if we can say this is our culture, but the true test is what stands out. So if we say that we have a culture of respect, then disrespect should stand out. If people are disrespecting each other and people are gossiping and people are talking trash about each other and it doesn't stand out to us, we do not have a culture of respect. It doesn't matter if it says so on our website. It doesn't matter if we put a plaque up on the wall. If it doesn't stand out, it's not part of our culture. If we say that part of our culture is to use words that bring life, 
the negativity should stand out. If we say that our culture is that we care about new people and yet new people are ignored, we can't say we have a culture that cares about new people. If the greeters were miserable and downcast, and as people came to church today, the greeter said, I wish you'd stayed home. <laughs> Hopefully, that stands out. If the worship team comes and they're unprepared, hopefully it stands out. If the kids team neglected the safety of kids, oh my gosh, that would definitely stand out. But to get the culture that we desire, we should celebrate the things we want to see repeated. And here's just a few things from this past week or so I want to share with you. I wrote these down and if I gave it more thought, I could probably write down a bunch more. This is just from the past week or so. But coach, mowing the lawns, I don't know if the last time I came here on a Saturday and he wasn't out there mowing the lawn, he's going to be furious that I'd name dropped him today. Mike Chiz, I give Mike a hard time. I feel really bad about it, so I'm going to stop. When I say stop, I mean stop for today. Mike is constantly on the phone with people from our church that are going through some really tough seasons. Mike is constantly up at the hospital sharing the love of God with people, sharing the goodness of God, trying to bring hope to some really hopeless situations. Just last night, we can give a clap for Mike Cheers. Come on, somebody. Just last night at the church, the Assemblies of God District Office had an ordination ceremony here where uh, ministers and pastors that have been uh, working towards their full ordination by the uh, denomination, the Assemblies of God that we're a part of, they were prayed for them and released into ministry as a wonderful service. I'm glad that we were able to do that. And as much as I love Dr. Duane, as much as I love the staff that work at the district office, what really motivated me and what I'm so joy overjoyed about is that we, Word of Life Church, we got to use our facility to be able to bless and encourage 15 different pastors that are being ordained, which means 15 different churches and organizations were represented here last night. And we got to be a part of blessing them. I heard about a Walker student this week going through a tough time and they were finding love and support from their teacher. Last week at Fall Fest, some neighborhood kids whose families don't have any connection to our church saw a bounce house, wandered on over. One of the best things ever. I've got an email recently from a new family that emailed to let me know that they're glad they came to church and that they'll be back. There's someone whose relationship with the church has been completely online and they got water baptized recently. I heard from a special needs family who have found people ready to give support and help in the church. Parents have emailed me to let me know that their sixth grader went to youth for the first time and they're excited to get back next week. Someone from the church wanted to anonymously give a generous gift to a single parent in our church. And there are missionaries all over the world who we are able to help support, including the checks for over $11,000 that we were able to give to Convoy of Hope. This is the largest selection of life groups that I've seen since I've been here. And each week, somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus. These are the things we celebrate. These are the things that motivate us. This isn't theory only. This isn't theory only. God is moving through this church.
This is a mission we're called to, and we're seeing that mission be fulfilled. First Thessalonians 1.5. For when we brought you the good news, this is Paul talking about preaching and giving the message of Jesus to the church in Thessalonica. It was not only with words, but also with power. It wasn't theory only. It wasn't just some good ideas. It wasn't just some stuff that made sense. But also with power, for the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. This isn't only theory, it's powerful. The Spirit of God working in the lives of people. It is the power of the Spirit working in and through the church. The people find hope and healing and restoration, the courage to address addictions, to find freedom from their past, a sincere faith that Jesus is who He says He is, and a confidence about eternity in the kingdom of God. This is the kind of harvest that makes the messy stable worth it. Without oxen, the stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. You can either enjoy the harvest or you can enjoy the clean stable, but you can't have both. Word of Life has a legacy and a commitment to prioritize the harvest above everything, including the clean stable. The harvest is too important to settle for a clean stable because people are too important to pat ourselves on the back for keeping the stable clean when our mission is to bring in the harvest. We never want to adjust the message of Jesus, but the method is subject to the fruit. And as Craig Rochelle said for his church, I want to be true for our church, that we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. As part of worship today, we sang that song, So Will I, and it's a favorite song here at the church. We've done it a number of times and always seems to, always seems to bless people. It's a song that I have a deep affection for. And it was a few months ago now, my mother-in-law shared a video with me, and she found this video, and there's a, a guy, he's a YouTuber, and his shtick is that he reviews um, music videos. So he's an expert in music, like the technical aspects of music and music theory, and so he'll critique uh, music videos. But somebody had given him this song that was the worship song, the one we sang today. And he's not a believer. He doesn't profess to be, you know, share our faith. He's a guy who's an expert in music that reviews music videos. And so someone sent him this video for So Will I. And this video is so powerful because as he's watching this video, he's not a believer. As he's hearing these words about God the creator and the power and the love of God, he's not sharing our worldview. He's not sharing our experiences with Jesus. But this guy was moved to tears. And it was, it was amazing to watch. I, I, it affected me so much. I'm so pleased my, my mother-in-law, a.k.a. Nana, shared it with me, that I shared it with the staff. I was like, you guys have to see this. This is powerful. I have that experience myself. I remember we, I had the worship team do that song when I was still a youth pastor, and I was low, uh, mowing my lawn, and I'm listening to the song, and what's in my head is that we're going to be leading our youth group through this song as part of service this week. And I'm mowing the lawn crying. It's not cool or dignified to mow the lawn while crying. <laughs> Trying to keep a straight line is real difficult. It's such a moving song. I want to read you a couple of lyrics from this song. I think that these may hit me as much as anything else in that song. I'll share this with you. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. 
where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. Every precious one, a child, you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. That's the cry of this church. If you're part of this church, this is what you're signing up for. Messy stable, big harvest. I'm gonna pray and then Megan's gonna help us bring this to a close, but come on everybody, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful church. Lord, I wanna give unbelievable honor to the decades of legacy that this church has been committed to reaching the lost, to helping people feel loved, to helping people experience your goodness. And Lord, I truly believe, because I have confidence that this is consistent with your character, that the best is yet to come. The greatest harvest is still in front of us. So Lord, I wanna pray an incredible blessing Pastor Randy, Pastor Maryam right now, as they enjoy their retirement. Lord, a massive blessing on their home. And Lord, I pray that the incredible work they started, we are faithful to complete, that we are faithful to continue moving things forward in the mission that you have put on this house. Lord, we don't want a clean stable. Despite the temptation, we want a large harvest, so we accept the messy stable. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Megan. You know, I can remember um, distinctly about two years ago when Tom and I were making a transition and we knew that was coming. And we sat at home one night and we tried to just map out what we would like to build within a church what we would like that to look like in churches we were looking for. And in that, like we just kept coming back. It sounded so simple, but it was just loving people and loving them well. That that would be priority one within a church. And, you know, as Tom was talking about it, he kind of already talked about it, but coming to Word of Life, that was the number one thing that stuck out to us so much. Um, it, it brought me to tears this, because I know that most of us would sit here and we'd say, of course, that's what the church does. The church loves people. But the truth is, is that doesn't always happen in every single church. And that is truly a gift within Word of Life and something that we value so much and is so much of who we are, you know, that we want to see that in our church. We sang today about revival and we, you know, we declared revival over this place. The truth is though, is revival will cost you. Revival doesn't come at no cost. Revival means abandoning our own preferences. 
It means giving up our seat so someone else can sit. It means that we step away from our friends who we're excited to see to make sure somebody else feels welcomed. Because revival doesn't just start from up here, it starts with each one of you. And I look out here and I see all these empty seats and honestly, it just breaks my heart because I know there are people to fill them. Not because we want a large church or that's what we're seeking, but because each one of these seats is somebody. It's one of our family members, it's one of our friends, it's our neighbors, it's somebody from this community. And we wanna be heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken that they're not sitting in these seats. If people don't matter, then what are we doing? If we don't love people, then what are we doing? Love will cost you everything. It will cost you selfishness. You will have to become selfless. It means that the little tiny things that agitate you, sometimes you just have to set them aside. And as Tom talked about messiness, we want a messy church because it means that we have messy people and I'm a messy person. You know, I think sometimes we come in putting up our best front, but we all know we're all just messy people. And we need more of that in here. We need more messy people walking in through these doors and finding that they're accepted just as they are. They don't have to become something before we accept them. They can walk in these doors and they feel loved and valued and it's genuine and it's authentic. So this morning, if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, you would call yourself that, and you would say, that's what I, I do, that's who I am. Can we just all agree that that's what we're gonna do? Is we're gonna care about the one. We're gonna care about our community. We're gonna be desperate to see people who are dying and are separated from Jesus to come to know him. And whatever that may cost us. And if you're in here today and you would say, I haven't made that decision yet, it is the best decision you will ever make. It doesn't promise easy sailing and, you know, just that everything's gonna be great from here on out. But man, just to have that reassurance that you are held by the creator of the universe and that the creator of the universe wants to know you and wants to be known by you. Like, why wouldn't you want that? He loves you so much. You don't have to do anything you just existing is enough for him to love you. He created you. 
He has loved you from day one. There's not a single thing that you could have done to keep him from loving you. So if that's you this morning and you're online with us or you're here in person, I just say, what are you waiting for? He's been pursuing you since the beginning of time. That's not a question. You don't have to wait for him. He's waiting for you. So I'm going to have everybody close their eyes, bow their heads. In a minute, we're going to pray a prayer all together. But right now, I just want us to give privacy to everyone. If that's you this morning, whether you're online or in person, if you're online, you can click the hand raised button. If you're here in person, if you would just raise your hand, I just want to pray with you this morning. I'm going to look over here to my right, your left. I'm just going to make my way across the room. We don't want to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to do anything. But I just want to know who I'm praying with this morning. All right, I'm looking at the right. If that's you, just raise your hand. Don't let this moment pass you by. Yes, I see you. I'm looking over to my center. Yeah. Over to my left. Anybody else that I can pray with, I don't want to leave you behind. We're going to go ahead and pray. If you would just repeat after me, if you're online, like I said, go ahead, click that raised hand button. We're going to pray. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, yeah. Let's celebrate. And we love seeing just next steps, whatever that next step is. There's nothing more special than to celebrate with someone who's made a decision, right? You know, uh, we have this amazing prayer team down here. They would love nothing more than to pray with you this morning. If you made a decision, just, I would, the first thing I would say is just make sure you tell somebody. We would love to hear from you. This team down here would love to pray with you and hear from you. If you're online, go ahead and click that prayer button. Somebody will connect with you. If there's anything right now that you just need prayer for, they're here for you. They love praying for people. This team down here has been praying the whole entire service for you. So if you want to make your way down here, they would love to pray with you. If you're online, click that prayer button. Like I said, somebody will connect with you. We're going to get ready to just dismiss in a second. Um, just a reminder, if you're giving today, you can hit the black boxes on the way out. 
we're going to go ahead and pray. And as we, after we pray, we're going to dismiss from the back to the front. So if you can just wait for the ushers to let you know it's time to walk out, that would be great. All right, let me pray for you guys. God, I just thank you so much for each and every single person in this room. God, I thank you, God, that you have chosen us, God, to be a part of what you do. God, that you could do this on your own, but you, you choose not to. God, you choose to bring us along, God. God, I pray that each one of us this week, God, would look for ways, God, to carry out your mission, God and your vision. God, I pray, God, that there would be things that would just move our hearts this week, God. God, I pray that um, we would see people, God, hurting, and it would break our hearts. God, that we wouldn't be able to just stand by silently and disengage, God, but we would, would have no choice but to engage, God. God, I pray that we would be the church, not just on Sundays, but Saturday through Sundays, God, every single day. And God, I just thank you, God, for what you are doing, God. I thank you for the incredible people that you've brought in here that love people, God, they care about people, they're desperate to see people know you, God. And we pray for an incredible week and just blessings upon every single family here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great week, guys. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you were encouraged, we would love it if you shared this podcast with a friend, team member, or really anyone else in your life who would be encouraged by it. By the way, if you'd like more info on what our church is all about, including tons of ways to get better connected here, visit our website. That's www.wordoflifeag.org.